Hey, Vicki. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Yeah. Good. Welcome back to our pre-Thanksgiving, pre-holiday episode, episode five. I'm super excited about this Thanksgiving. I'm kind of, well, I'm excited about the holiday season, less so about Thanksgiving itself. Although, you know, who doesn't look forward to the full on, <laughs> full on food fest that's going to happen, even though it's just going to be my mom and I this year. We are doing like a smaller version of a Thanksgiving here, but my brother's coming over from Charlotte with his adorable family and it's going to be like a, a a mini family thing up here in North Carolina, whereas everybody else is in Florida. So mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. it's like a satellite Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, we have a sort of divide and conquer thing happening in that uh, Dave is uh, in Maryland. But uh, Christmas, Christmas is when everybody is going to be here. That's cool. And the house will be full. So um, I'm... You know, we have that issue where my house is under construction. So it's not <laughs> not yet ready for prime time. So you probably don't have the, the ability to do as many like traditions that you usually have. I know when you move, sometimes it takes a little while to get your old traditions back or you have to start new ones. Well, Isn't I put the it? tree up yesterday. So yeah. I committed the crime of putting up and decorating the tree before Thanksgiving. I did in fact do that. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't do that. I did. It's like a travesty. I I did. I'm owning it. I will. Okay. I will. I've seen, (laughs) I'm owning it. (laughs) I've seen other trees up. up, So you're not the only one, but I have stockings up. I feel like the family room now is at least together. It's like one area of my life that is together. Part of it is because I, I actually have presents that are getting delivered today while Dave is out of town Ooh, and uh, now I have a place where I can wrap and put those things Very so good. I don't have to hide them. Sounds like a plan. That's a good idea. Yeah, that is my, okay. that is my goal. So do you have That's, any other tra- tra- traditions that you guys do? Uh, we do for Christmas. We have a lot of Christmas traditions and I, I'm really looking forward to inflicting them on uh, Dave's girls because they're coming Ooh. this year. Um, you know, when I was growing up, we, it wasn't like a free for all. You didn't get up on Christmas morning and run down and start opening presents. Mm-hmm. No, no. You stayed in your room until the grownups were ready. And then they, if you had to walk through the room where the tree was to get to the kitchen or wherever it is you eat breakfast, they would put a bag on your head. Oh um, God. That's probably a little extreme, the closing of eyes or whatever. And you were allowed to have your stocking while everybody had breakfast, but you had to wait through the whole breakfast and coffee and the whole thing before you could go into the room where the tree is. I can picture little six-year-old Carolyn walking through the living room with a bag on her head. Can you picture 26-year-old Carolyn? Uh, getting subjected to, yeah, it, it's not a, it's not an age thing. I might have, I might have to talk to your mom about this one. Yeah. Good luck with that. Uh, the, the, the issue here is that I'm, I live in a house with stairs now and that seems like a safety hazard. So, um, we might not do that, but we are probably going to have to say, look, no. And actually the stockings and the Christmas tree are in the same room now. So, uh, with the kitchen. So yeah. that would be pointless, but the don't run down there and start opening up stuff without everybody. We're going to have breakfast first and you can do your stockings and we'll do stockings and coffee and whatever. And then we will do presents that will yeah. be sort of modified. Ours was like, um, we would make, we didn't open presents until after breakfast, but breakfast was um, cinnamon rolls. Mm. Big grand cinnamon rolls and coffee, and everybody looked forward to that. That was good. We did some stuff like, uh, oh my, um, my dad and stepmom, she does this wonderful prime rib dinner on Christmas Eve. That it is, it is, is worth oh. driving to Florida for. Oh, she is such a good cook. I am not a good cook. She's she's <laughs> she's awesome. Dave's family Italian. So Christmas Eve, they do Feast of the Seven Fishes. Have you heard of this? No. 
I, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's mind blowing. It is a spread where they have at least seven seafood dishes, seven different seafood dishes. Wow. So starting from appetizer through, you know, and, uh, it, it's, it is amazing. It is essentially an entire afternoon of feasting. That sounds fabulous. Um, <laughs> aside from it being, you know, delightful, uh, because it takes such a long time because you're moving through people are sipping on, you know, Prosecco or whatever it is they're having. So you might be loaded by the time <laughs> you get to dessert, but, um, the food is always, um, always, always delightful. And what Dave is, is a good cook. Dave's family, Dave's brother's an amazing cook. Oh, nice. What exactly is a seafood dessert? Well, I don't think they have seafood for dessert, but they will have a minimum of seven seafood things. I would like to um, challenge Dave to a seafood dessert. Uh, <laughs> that sounds like a lose-lose all the <laughs> way around, frankly. I don't I don't know that I would do that, but... Well, David, right. D- David and I started a new tradition not long ago. When we lived in Tampa, Hyde Park, there's a few streets there in the historic area. They put all their lights up and they're all like pretty organized and we would drive through there um just for fun look at the lights and then we would go to Krispy Kreme and get hot donuts well super bummed the Krispy Kreme here closed down right before I moved here like it was here when I was looking at houses when they're like come to Hendersonville we have a Krispy Kreme and now no Krispy Kreme but um they do seem to have a lot of really cool holiday things, which I'm really looking forward to checking out in this little Hallmark town. Okay. That's cool. One, one tradition I would suggest to any listeners might be to watch Saturday night live Christmas edition every year so that you can hear the good old sweaty balls routine with Alec Baldwin. It's hilarious. You could probably find it on the internet too. Uh, All right. So I thought it would be fun, seeing as this is the time of year where people start thinking about all the things that we're thankful for, that I started grouping lists of of things that um, that I like. And because I can't come up with just one anything, uh, I thought it would be <laughs> cool to pick three things, three things in a number of categories that I like in no particular order. And uh, just to make this fun, I haven't shared my my three things with with Vicky. So um, will our lists overlap? I don't know. They will might. our Venn diagram have some common items? <laughs> I'm not sure. All right. Uh, let's start with some writing things. Um, what books did others recommend to you that made an impact? on the way that you write. Okay. I've got, I have three. (laughs) Okay. So um, when I was in my MFA program, Tony D'Souza suggested Isaac's Storm by Eric Larson. And that is one of my favorites. And partially because of the research that's in it and partially because it's Galveston where my family, my, my mother was born and such, but, um, is that the flood? Is that the big yeah. flood that you, we talked about in the last? Okay, that's cool. Yeah, 1900 hurricane, and it just wiped out the entire island. It was it was crazy. And the, um, But what I got from that was his research is amazing. He just, yeah. uh, he, he went there and he just hung out at the library. And also, he, he describes photographs so well, because... In a story like that, when you need a lot of photographs, but you can't use them or you don't want to go out and get permission for every mm-hmm. one of them to be in your book, then you just, you learn how to describe the photos. So the person doesn't have to see That's it really cool. It. Yeah. What else you got? And, okay. I got Liars Club by Mary Carr. She hmm. really knows how to show you a screwed up family. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> and her I voice. haven't actually heard of that book, so I'm I'm that's cool. I'm gonna look it up. Yeah. We'll start- uh, for those of you, we'll we'll put a list, we'll attach a list so that you can you can go find these things. 
her voice in that is is great. She just owns the crazy in that. I love it. And then I have um, You Don't Look Like Anyone I Know by Heather Sellers. Mm-hmm. And that's because it's, it's formatted as like a, a dual timeline. So she, half of the, the chapters are like her childhood and showing how weird and crazy that was with her mom and dad. And the other is her figuring out, it's present day her figuring out what this prosopagnosia is. She didn't know what it was, why she couldn't recognize faces, which is pretty amazing. I remember she actually wrote an article uh, at the beginning of the pandemic about the pandemic. Yep. I read Um, that. She caught COVID like at the jump and, uh, and she wrote a thing about her experience back when we were all super terrified because nobody really understood it. I will say that that article was so down to, not just down to earth, but it terrified me about not being able to breathe. And it just like, I think there was one point where she just sat in bed and just, just tried to keep breathing. And if that's all you're focused on, that terrifies me. I I've had pneumonia before. So uh, I, I, I could definitely relate yeah. to that struggle to get air. It's yeah, it was terrifying. So we'll see if we can find that, that too. Cause I thought that was really good. What are your books? That's a good list. All right. So I have, uh, the first book, um, I don't actually have a copy of it to wave in front of you because I'm sure I lent it to somebody. That's what happens. Um, it's called Attachments by Rainbow Rowell. Are you uh, familiar with her? She's no. very funny. Very, very funny. Anyway, Attachments is a novel, but it's a novel told mostly in emails back and forth between two women who work at a newspaper, I believe. And then the other part of the story is the third shift IT guy whose job it is to make sure that people aren't using, you know, company equipment for personal things. Mm-hmm. And, but he gets so caught up in reading all of their messages and that he feels like he feels like he knows these ladies and it's this whole interesting thing, but it's a different way of reading a story. That's, that's what I got out of this is that the story is told in part entirely through this conversation via work emails personal emails on a work computer back and forth between these, these women who um, work in this office. And then the, the, the guy who feels like he's creeping, although it's his job. And then it gets to a, some point where he feels like he can't tell them about it now. Cause he's been kind of listening in for a while. Anyway, yeah. good book. Very funny. Uh, the next one I actually have, it's called where'd you go Bernadette? You may be familiar with this book because they made a movie out of it. Oh, nice. With uh, Kate Blanchett, I believe. And this book, this book was really fun because, again, the whole first half of this book is is told uh, through articles collected by um, Bernadette's daughter trying to figure out where her mom went what happened to her mom. And so it's emails and whatever. It's also very, very funny. Um, And the thing that I took from this story was how you can take one incident, one um, thing that happens in this instance, it's like an altercation that happened in the school drop-off line in the morning in the cars from multiple points of view and how everyone is absolutely sure that the way that they understood it is the way that it happened, but you get that kind of omniscient view of what happened Mm -hmm. when you get to see all these different things told through artifacts again. So very clever. Um, I loved it. I thought it was, I thought it was really good and it helped because at the time I was working on a project that had a lot of components like that. And um, I needed to think about how can I do, you know, use artifacts or use these other components to help further my story. The last one, number one, ladies detective agency. (laughs) And this was recommended by a friend a bajillion years ago um, who was like, Hey, I found these books and they're like mystery books, but they're really um, well-written like literary fiction. 
and you know because there's that snobbery around <laughs> genre fiction mm-hmm. whatever so uh anyway i i actually started this this is and the hbo did a series for one season that's excellent if you can dig it up um uh, about the number one ladies detective agency it takes place in botswana um and it's delightful. And uh, Alexander McCall Smith is delightful. He came to Goucher College in uh, Towson in Maryland once. And a friend of mine um, and I went to see him talk and, and got to chat with him a little bit. He's a delightful human. Yes. So those are my three. Okay. All right. And you notice there were no craft books in there because I was like, no, no craft books allowed. Um, but. You and I both have a problem with the collecting and enjoying of craft books. Maybe me more than you. Maybe I'm projecting. Maybe I have a problem with craft books, but I love them and I can't keep myself from getting them. If they look interesting. I, I get them and then I read most of them. Most of it. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. I put it yeah. on the shelf and I claim My it. My to-be-read <laughs> craft book list is large. Anyway, I have some... I have some unusual one. I'll start with this one because we might both have this one on our list. This, the greatest this on writing Stephen, Stephen King. King on writing. Yes. Yep. If I somebody have it on asks my shelf, me, but yeah, if somebody asks me, what's a good book um, to help me get you know write better, whatever? I I do this one, and I do it because it's accessible. Uh, it's not pretentious. Um, it's practical. He gives practical advice. And half of the story is about like when he got hit by a van in the woods in Maine and his mm-hmm. process mm-hmm. of recovering. So it's a little bit memoirish and a little bit, you know, helpful advice from your uncle Steve. Sort of. Yes. I like it because it there's a lot of discipline in there. Taught me a mm-hmm. lot of discipline about getting my butt in the chair yeah, yeah, yeah. And his <clears throat> thing about mm-hmm. making time for writing, I mean, reading, reading is not a luxury. Reading is necessary for the writer to be able to write well. All right. So then at this point, this is where I diverge. Uh, my next book is called uh, Writing Mysteries. This was edited by Sue Grafton. But the thing about this is it's not, it's a collection of um a collection of uh, other writers um, in the genre and their advice from everything from pacing to getting an agent to uh, doing amateur sleuth or writing a series or, or whatever. So as in, you know, wannabe mystery writer, mystery thriller writer, I found this to be super helpful. And then lastly, I'm calling this a craft book. Okay. But I, I might be the judge of that though. Okay. The crime writer's the cr- reference guide. Very nice. This has all kinds of things in here about police jargon and military law and uh, stuff about criminals. And I have a bookmark, by the way, I have a bookmark in the arson section <laughs> because okay. yeah. Uh, my my internet search history is terrifying. But anyway, I have a bookmark in the arson section because I was working on a piece that had a house fire in it. Anyway, right, uh, so, so those are my craft books. What have you got? I got I got three. And even though your last one is a reference book, you reminded me of a, a, resp- a reference book that I have that I love. Um, in this one, and I'll do this real quick because it wasn't on my list, but uh, a few years back, probably a couple decades, maybe, I, I entered a contest in Writer's Digest, <clears throat> and it was one where you change the word, change a a literary term or writing term by one letter and create a new one. So I took um, flash fiction, and I changed the H to K, so it was flask fiction. Oh. And it is flash fiction written under the influence of alcohol or whatever. So I won and I got a box of books in the mail from Writer's Digest and one of them being 
called a flip dictionary, which I don't think you can get today. Um, today you have the internet though. So this was before we had the Google, I guess. Um, you, you can look up a word or a phrase in there and it will give you other words and phrases. So like a dictionary on steroids, I guess, where you look up a word. In I'm, a all, about, I'm all about I'm all about thesaurus.com. I'm on thesaurus. I used it yesterday. I wrote a uh, for work. I wrote a, a, a press release. <laughs> I'm like, I, use I need on- another word for blah. Yeah, I yeah, did. we I did that it. a lot. So this would have been like, I guess, an old timey version of that. But my uh, craft books are The Practice of Creative Writing by Heather Sellers. Um, mm-hmm. I love that because it, I mean, it, it teaches you how to get deeper into your writing as opposed to just the form. And I, I just, and there's so many examples of writing in it. It's really good. Um, another one is editing. It's about editing seven drafts by Allison K. Williams. And I like this one because I've had writers come to me thinking that the draft they're bringing me, which is their first draft. And they'll tell me that Mm -hmm. just edit this and we're done. And that is not how it works. My sweet summer child. Let's talk about (laughs) revision and how this works. Yes. So seven drafts is, is really great way of breaking down all the editing and teaching you how to focus one draft on just one or two things and get it done. I have to do that too. I I've never read this book, although I'm, I'm going to read it now. Uh, I do this too, but it's because I get distracted. So I can't, it's overwhelming to me to try and go through and do a revision and try and make it all right the first time. Right. So I, I have to go through in passes with specific things that I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so I didn't know that, I didn't know that other people had, had thought that up and wrote a book about it. So. Yeah, that's Sweet. a good one. I like it. And then the last one is you can write your family history by Sharon DiBartolo Carmack. And that one's about kind of like, and this one is a little bit more form, but when you get into writing your family history, it, it gets difficult when you go from generation to generation. And it makes, it causes people to jump around like, or Mm -hmm. list five generations of people and you, you know, the reader gets lost after two and it just helps you find the right format to, to do that in and to include history, like in the area and stuff. It's good. That sounds, that sounds really helpful. I've, I've tried to write some like stories from my childhood things there was an incident where I got bitten by a dog in the face when I was a kid in a park. And I've tried to write that story a a couple of times. And I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's been particularly successful yet. Um, Hmm. Partly because my memory, I mean, I was seven or something at the time. Um, I have my memory of what happened, but I can't, remember exactly who else was there. And it turns out my family members can't seem to agree on exactly who was there either. Their memories don't align. Um, so weird, but memory is incredible. I mean, I'm digitizing my dad's collection of slides and I found a camping trip and I found my friend Lisa in there from middle school. And I didn't, I didn't remember that she went with us on a camping trip until I, now I remember. It's like really weird. Yeah. Yeah. So so those are my three. Uh, Three writing tips or exercises that you still use. I'll let you go first this time. Okay. Well, I have two. One, one of them said one's a big, biggie though. So mood music playlist. I have, I have a playlist called memoir mood and it it's just songs that make me think about a certain time frame or get me in the mood of if i'm writing a scene that's back in the 80s it's got some stuff that's actually that's fascinating i wouldn't have thought of that i i um when i'm teaching class sometimes on breaks and things i will play you know how youtube will have like those background music for studying with like soothing mountain scenes and stuff. Mm -hmm. I will do that. And I I can remember when I was in school, 
playing uh, like Pandora lists and things uh, that were like classical for studying or music that has no words Mm -hmm. so -hmm. that you're hearing it, but it's not as distracting. But anyway, that's fascinating. Yeah. I have another one called writing cave. So when I'm actually doing the writing, I have that music. I have piano music and guitar music with no lyrics. That's cool. And that plays soft in the background, just like you mentioned. So, but yeah, writing cave. Love it. Oh, and the, okay. The other tip I have is to, I mean, I don't have exercises that I'm using, but um, annotating a book is like, oh, I hated doing that. So many things. Oh, I hate oh, it. I, I didn't mind it, but it keeps you reading and rereading some of your books. So you could go back to one of your favorites and annotate that or parts of it. And what it teaches you techniques, you might learn a new technique, like for instance, learning how to write and describe pictures I got from annotating right. Isaac Storm. Or for those of you, you also who discover have, like inspirational yeah. passages. Yeah, if you if you haven't been through an MFA program <laughs> where they give you a stack of books and they're like, you know, read, read and annotate these, um, that's what you do. You read um, the books that were assigned to you, and then you have to go through and take notes along the way. And uh, yikes! But uh, I'm not list. afraid to write in my books either. Oh, I don't. I, I don't write, write in. in I don't write in my books. My books are. Mm. My books are. Yeah, I know, write in them. Sacred. And sometimes right. that helps you get your books back when you lend them out. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't remember who I lent that. Who I, you know what? And it was probably Maryland people. I probably lent books out to people in Maryland, and then I packed up and moved. So I'm never seeing those things again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, my three writing tips that I still use. Uh, one. Jennifer Vanderbus, who was in our uh, program. MFA program. Yes, mm-hmm. thank you. Uh, she had us in our workshop session create a sensory detail, something small, but that really uh, puts that puts the reader in that space in some way. And it could be the introduction of a color. It could be a sound. I remember in the in the exercise that we did, it was the sound of my character's heels clicking across the marble floor through like a corporate lobby to get to the elevator bank to Mm -hmm. go up and how it echoed in that big open space. And like that was the detail. But I find now that one of the passes that I go through, and I don't know if there are seven of them, that I go back through and I do revision, I look for places to add those moments. So I still do that. We, we did that in school. All right. So that's one. The second mm-hmm. one is eliminating as many words as possible. This one I owe to Jason Ockert. And uh, he had us write flash fiction, like a thousand word story on something and we would come to class with that. And then he would make us cut it down to 500 words. Oh, wow. And if you've, yeah, if you've never done that, I recommend. Um, And it works by the way, for uh, memos, for work emails, for other things. It doesn't have to be um, just stories. Uh, and you can go back in after you cut it down to 500 words or cut it down. Um, you can go back in and add some clarifying stuff, uh, mm-hmm. to make it make sense. But, uh, the process of really making choices about what works for you and what you don't need is a step way too many people skip when they're editing. That's true. It really makes you focus on it. That's good. I like that. And then lastly, uh, Jennifer, again, uh, unusual word combinations to spark curiosity. She took like a list of adjectives on one side of the room and a list of nouns on the other side of the room. And you had to pick two that on the face of it do not go together at all. 
And then that will lead you to something about in what circumstance might this make sense. It's a little bit like coming up with your band name, you know, like those okay. things like those random, random word generator things. And that that will kind of get you moving through. And I've had whole stories when you think about whole stories come out of that or whole characters oh, wow. come out of that. I remember yeah. some of those exercises like on the... um similar to that. And, and I enjoyed those where you take things that you, yeah, that aren't even related at all. I love those. It's a great way. I know, you know, I have a crazy idea board. Uh, if I come across a word and I really like that word, I don't know how I'm going to use it, but I don't want to forget it. I will put it on my crazy idea board. And then later there might be a way to attach that to something else. So, all right. Three subjects you'd like to learn more about. Well, I would like to learn more. I have, okay, digitizing home movies. I've been digitizing prints and Mm -hmm. negatives and slides, but I've never gotten into like the home movies or audio tapes or anything like that. So I'd like to learn how to do that. And another is I want to learn how to write grants. That's practical. Yeah. yeah. Well, the North Carolina Humanities has just put out their deadlines for grants and I'm seriously looking into those. So, yeah, that's cool. And I was in, you know, I was in a master certificate program when I was still in Tampa and I had to leave when we moved, but um that's one of the things that was at the end of that and I didn't finish it. So, didn't get there. Yikes. Podcasting is on the top of my list. <laughs> I mean, we are stumbling our way through this. We and are. Thank you. Thank you, listeners, for bearing with us as we figure things out. But yeah, so so this has been a kind of a whole new world. So I'm, I'm looking forward to learning more about that. And then I put pasta making on my list. Have you ever tried to make? Oh, you are. You, you said not so much about the home cook thing. Uh, I tried to make pasta from scratch once and it was a disaster. Disaster. Mm disaster i've never made pasta from scratch and i never really wanted to i'm one of those people where if i find a good you know a good like lasagna at mezzaluna's downtown is so fantastic that i've given up making lasagna why bother okay (laughs) (laughs) i made lasagna last week actually it was delicious uh, yeah, but I've never made my own pasta. So I'm learning um, in a couple of weeks, uh, Dave and I are going to go make some cheese ravioli. I think it's cheese ravioli. We're going to make ravioli of some kind. Um, there's a little place that teaches people how to make pasta downtown. So I'm excited about that. And then lastly, uh, um, I don't really understand social media all that much. Um, so I'm, I'm enlisting one of Dave's daughters to try and help explain some oh, things to me. Good. That's cool. Yeah. I can't figure it out. I'm too old. I've, I'm, I'm above the threshold. <laughs> always uh, be learning. Always be learning. That's I don't right. remember who said that, but I like it. So. All right. Fave things about uh, North Carolina so far. I love the small town festivals and events. That's on my list. This is ah. the first time. Ah. This ah. is the first time we have an intersection. Yeah, so yeah like, community activities and all the festivals and everything going on here. Yep. Yeah. I mean, we have a um, tree lighting coming up Friday in downtown. They're lighting up mm-hmm. the huge the tree. We were downtown last night and the, the huge tree is up in front of the courthouse, but it's dark and it just kind of looms there right now. So Friday they light it and it's a whole thing. And then the following Friday is the old fashioned Christmas and they have like carriage rides, Santa Claus, carolers walking around. It's really cool. It's it's a freaking Hallmark movie. It it is. It is a Hallmark movie town. I I'm all in on the Hallmark movies right now too. But it's 24/7 Christmas movies on Hallmark, all about it. It's a de-stressor. Yep. Yeah. Also the Biltmore movie, the Biltmore Christmas. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is coming out. And part of that yeah, was I filmed don't even... here. I don't even care if the movie is any good. I'm in. I'm in. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go see the... There's a scene um, at a train station, which they did here in downtown Hendersonville, because we have a... Really? We have a historic train station. They filmed it here? Yeah, and David was there. He was watching it. I was out of town, but he was watching it. Yeah. And I was like, I didn't even know that. 
All right. So that's, yeah. that's comes out this coming weekend, right? That I movie? believe it does on Sunday, I think. All right. I'm, yeah, we I'm can in. double check. I'm that. definitely, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely in for that. And then the other thing is just being outside, like hiking, eating, drinking, listening to music, walking around, like, Sometimes after dinner, David and, David and I will go, you want to go walk downtown? Sure, let's go. You couldn't do that in Florida. So for me, that's no. really big. You also can't do that in Baltimore. <laughs> I mean, for different, could. for different reasons. You could <laughs> once. Uh, no, mm, I, no, I joke. But no, I mean, you could have gone down to like Fells Point or you could have, what I don't, but I wouldn't recommend Okay. So that's a good list. And it, it's sort of like one of the items on my list is similar, but not the same. And I, I put it, I called it serene quiet. It um, meaning there are a lot of places here where there are beautiful views. And I mean, even driving down the mountain I live on to get to the street, now that the leaves are down, you can see from the height, you know, you can see mountains in the, in the distance. It's really nice. If, if I have to go into, uh, Asheville for something, or I have to go, you know, mm -hmm. drive it. Just driving in the mountains is really cool. We had a, yeah. a boondoggle trip a couple of gosh, week before last or, or something where Dave and I drove to Tennessee to, for, to, and we went to Bucky's, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is an experience. Mm -hmm. Yay, we had to drive through the mountains. It was gorgeous peak fall everything. It was lovely. So I have that. And then there are places, you know, like jump off rock, um, mm -hmm. that you can go to and just sit and look at the beautiful view. Yeah. Yeah. And they're everywhere. There are yes. waterfalls and mountains and it's just everywhere. And then lastly, uh, I'm gonna, I, I love that this area has embraced coffee as a, <laughs> as a writer who is drinking coffee while we're doing this out of my uh, tavern on the green mug. Oh, nice. Um, coffee houses are, there's a, so many everywhere. of them here. Yes. It's great. With and good then if snacks. And if it's the afternoon, it could be a cidery or a brewery or a winery. Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. Yep. yep. All good things. All right. What are you looking forward to in 2024? I'm looking forward to volunteering. I haven't volunteered yeah. since I was in Tampa. So I'd like to do, or I'm planning to I actually, um, went to the historic genealogy society here, the in historical oh, I've society. Seen it. Mm -hmm. And I went to their meeting and they said, oh, we're looking for volunteers. And they rattled off a bunch of stuff. And one of them was to help with the journal. And I said, oh, I would like to help. So I'll be volunteering with them on their journal. And I'm excited about that. And then also piloting a mentorship program that I'm building. So next year I'll be piloting one. And hopefully the following year cool. maybe have something in, in stone. Yeah. That sounds fun. What about you? I am really looking forward to sort of getting to know Hendersonville and North Carolina a little better. I mean, I haven't been here a full year yet. So um, getting through that, settling into the house, customizing. Um, I was, yeah, thinking about what I'm going to be doing with the guest rooms and and going on. Then the, lastly, I'm looking forward to, to taking some time now, you know, every year writers are like, well, I would like to write more. I would like to read more, I, you know, and I'm all about that, but I, I, I've been branching out this year a little bit and doing, um, some voiceover stuff for work. Hmm. And we have this podcast, which is new. And I feel like this is sort of the beginning of, maybe a wider range of media related cool things to learn about and get involved in. So I'm looking forward to, to uh, get, getting a little better at, at this, making this a little bit easier and branching out and doing some cool new things. So cool. That sounds fun. I know um, one thing I learned just a couple of years ago is I used to think or have the attitude that when you go into something new 
that you have to learn everything first before you try it. But right. no, you have to experiment. Nope. Experiment is my new word. Experiment. And yeah, and not only that, you you have to kind of get in there and be all right messing up. Like, yep, I have certain family members who do not enjoy the process of learning new things. They feel stupid. They feel dumb. I expect to mess up when I try new things. Plus, um, sometimes if you don't get in there, it'll be too overwhelming. You think this is what other people who know more than me do. Yeah. Um, you have to, you, they don't. And there's an, <laughs> they an, don't. an imposter syndrome, which writers yeah. have naturally that you mm -hmm. have to fight against. So. I hate that. I'm with you. Yeah. I'm just, I am an imposter lots of the time, but you don't tell anybody that. Um, it's your secret yeah, is safe with me so, and, okay. you know, everybody listening. All right. Three favorite <laughs> podcasts. Oh. Other than other than ours, obviously. Other than ours. Yes. Yeah, so ours is a, it's a given. So, but um, we have, a, I have a, a writer related one called Right Minded with Brooke Ooh, Warner. good title. Yeah. And it's spelled right, like writing, right-minded. Mm -hmm. And she has a lot of decent guests on there, which is really nice. And then goes over writing. She Brooke Warner is, she used to be with a big, um, like one of the big five publishers, I believe. And she got really frustrated with what they were doing. And she went out on her own. So she's running a hybrid um publishing house called she writes press which is really good i mean they have they put out some really amazing stuff cool. most mostly women writers but you know and yeah so she she does that another one is family secrets by danny shapiro which is hey it's family secrets so this is like right up your alley yes it is right up my alley and each time she does an episode, she has a writer on or a person on that has figured out a secret in their family and they've written about it. So, and the last one is for fun. It's called Smartless with Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and Sean Hayes. Oh, I've seen, I've, I haven't listened to that podcast, but I've seen it. So that's good. They're, it's I'm good. Gonna, and their I'll little trick is between the three of them, one of them brings the guest and doesn't tell the other two until they get oh, into the, the podcast. Yeah. So they're, they get cool. very excited when and they've had some pretty good guests on. So I would check into that one for fun. All right. Well, my three um, are, <laughs> well, first is Serial. The very first podcast I haven't ever listened to ever anywhere was Serial, the first season. And that was super impactful, not only because I got used to the whole listening to a podcast thing, but because it took place in Baltimore um, and in Woodlawn, which, uh, by the way, I worked out of for a while, um, which is on the Western, kind of Western side of, of Baltimore City. And um, I know everybody has probably listened to this whole tale, but it uh, follows the case of um, a high schooler who was uh, convicted of murdering his ex-girlfriend oh. and that oh yeah and it okay. follows that case and uh, the things the layers that make this really interesting are the sort of history Baltimore City has with police corruption you've probably that came out later like after mm -hmm. this case that but you know we've had multiple mayors indicted for things Yikes. we've had uh, police chiefs go to prison for things we've had a, the gun trace task force thing where cops were stealing from drug dealers and committing crimes. And there was all of this stuff going on. And that's the environment in which this one case happens. And so you really do have to come at this with all of these questions about, you know, how this all shook out. Anyway, it's fabulous. Yeah. That's Sarah Koenig, um, Serial, the first season. They've had, I think they're doing some other seasons too, and they do, do different topics and things. Um, my second favorite would be Criminal. I'm sure this comes as no surprise. Phoebe Judge, 
Um, it's fantastic. It's not like a true crime podcast in the sense that they're following, you know, like the Long Island serial killer or something. Um, it's about small, interesting things that um, may or may not be against the law. Interesting things. There was like a, uh, a a girl whose boyfriend got her into counterfeiting when they were dating or whatever, and they would print up their own money on a color printer and what happened with that relationship and with that thing. Just interesting, fun, little short episodes. There's a town in Florida, you would love it, where there was a whole town and they were taking advantage of uh, uh, those clauses. You know, when you sign up for your benefits and you get like uh, money if you lose a limb or something. Okay. Like accidental death and dismemberment, but the yeah. dismemberment part. So there was a whole town in Florida who were dismembering their own limbs for the money that they were getting oh. from. What town yeah. is that? Do you know? I'd, I'd have to look it up. But oh, I mean, I, I crazy, crazy stories like that, that, that are random and kind of just on the fringes of, you know, whatever. So that's a great one. And then lastly... Mm -hmm. I, I'm almost embarrassed about it, but I absolutely love the New Heights podcast, which are the, the Kelsey brothers, um, you know, one playing for Philadelphia, one playing for Kansas City, all very public right now because of the Taylor Swift thing. But they are hilarious. And um, I, I sort of found the podcast before the uh, Taylor Swift thing because I watched um, Jason Kelsey's uh, documentary. He has, oh, there's a documentary okay. about him in, you know, last season. It follows him from the beginning to the end of the season where they meet in the mm -hmm. Kelsey Bowl um, <laughs> because he's deciding if he's going to retire or not. Uh, so anyway, that's a really, a really interesting documentary. So those are my three. That's funny. Ready for last night, last night, uh, real quick here, hmm, we were playing a pure Prairie League record on our record player. Saw Vince Gill on there. <laughs> Didn't know Vince Gill was a member of Pure Prairie League, but he is now a member of the Eagles. And then we were talking about the Real? saxophone player. Oh, because they've lost some people. <clears throat> yes, yes. They brought uh... on they brought in Vince Gill and Glenn Fry's Glenn Fry's no. Yes, Deacon Fry, his son. Um, okay. Anyway, we, I, were look, I was looking at who's the saxophone player for the Eagles. So I did a Google search and all I could get is like Jason Kelsey playing the saxophone for the, ta the team, the Eagles. So I had oh. to like, like go through five pages of stuff to find my answer for the band. Eagles. Yeah, their, their, their podcast is really entertaining. I mean, and a lot of That's it is football related, you know, but um they're just, they're just funny. So I'm going to listen to that. I've been watching that. Um, all right. Let's play truth or fiction. Are you ready? Oh, okay. Yes. Are you ready? I've got one. Yep. Go. 14 year old girl is followed home from school by creepy dude who like attacks her right in front of her house. And she manages to... Ooh to get into the house and she manages to fight him off and he, you know, he runs away and she's okay. But the whole thing is captured on her home security camera. And oh. when the police release that home security footage of her fighting off this guy, it goes viral because she's 14 and she fights off this dude um, and in that footage, I mean, they catch the guy and that's great, but because that footage goes viral, it, um, sets to light a completely unrelated crime, hmm. not related to the attack or the attacker, but in the security footage from the house it because it goes viral because she's 14 and she whoops up on this mm -hmm. this guy a completely new crime comes to light so i'm thinking this sounds like an episode of a crime drama which would be fiction 
It is fiction. It is not a crime drama. It is the mm. kickoff for The Hidden Things by Jamie oh. Mason. And I picked this book because, A, it's great. And you get to hear about what else happens with this girl who's awesome. And also Jamie Mason, local writer. Oh, very Lives nice. in Western, Western North Carolina. Okay. I, I'm going to get I met her too. years and years ago. Uh, one of many. It's We're not, you know. We don't know each other exactly, but I did meet her um, at a BoucherCon many years ago, and oh, um, nice. this book is is fantastic. So, yeah, Jamie Mason, okay, Jamie Mason, like it. All right, let's um, let's talk about works in progress, and then uh, we will allow our listeners to carry on with their holiday preparations. That's excitement in. In the meantime, the rest of the year, I'm going to be working on digitizing my dad's slides and trying to make a presentation of that. And there are four huge totes full of magazines of slides. And I've gotten mm, 25% of the first one done. So <laughs> I have my work set out for me. and. Maybe I might do some more writing on my book in the meantime. I have um, I have another possible deadline coming up in January um, uh, for another anthology. So I'll be working on a, another short piece, another short fiction piece about which I have no idea what I'm doing yet. So I will be adding notes to my crazy idea board as we go and then trying to find pockets of time between holiday crazy to, uh, to see if I can turn that into something. So, well, thank you. It's cool. For hanging out with me this morning and talking through your list. I got some good ideas for holiday time reading and, um, I definitely going to check out some of those podcasts you mentioned too. Yes, I am going to do the same. So, um, and our, our listeners, if you, if, if the things that we have recommended or talked about make you think of other things that we didn't mention, but that are must sees, must reads, must listens, please add those and we will check them out. Yes. All right. And our Facebook page. All right. I got to go make sure my uh, turkey is thawing because it's been in the fridge a couple of days and it's still like a boulder. So I might have to take it out today. I have to make a spice cake. So. All right. All right. Until next time, guys. Yeah. Bye.